0: Consumer experiences, major disruptors, and AI tech are shaping healthcare for years to come. On Hello Healthcare, we dive deep on these issues with leaders who are driving change. We hope that these stories will help you to create or demand a better future in healthcare. Please welcome your host, Alan Tam, VP of Marketing at Actium Health. Our first two seasons of Hello Healthcare are available on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out our conversations with some of healthcare's most well-respected leaders in marketing, business strategy, data science, and much more. If you like what you hear, please share with your friends and leave us a review. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, healthcare. When it comes to driving consumer engagement and conversions, few industries do it better than retail and commerce. They seem to have cracked the code here. What can healthcare learn and borrow from this industry to further improve and drive their patient engagement as well as patient outcomes? To explore this question, I have the pleasure of having Chris Dufresne, VP of Digital Products and Marketing Technologies at Aligna Health. Welcome, Chris. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Excited to have you here. You have a very interesting background. You came from Target before Aligna Health. And I've noticed that a lot of health systems today are actually recruiting from retail organizations for their leaders. What made you make the switch from retail to healthcare? Had the fortune of being in retail
1: through some pretty formative years in the dot .com world was with target.com when they were still on Amazon's platform, which really, I say that intentionally because it shows some of the disruption that was happening in healthcare. The disruption we saw in retail at that time, and now the disruption that we're seeing in healthcare. So I was looking for my next career 2.0, if you will, and wanted an industry that was going through a lot of change. So I'm posting, applied, went through, you know, multi-month process, like many healthcare organizations and even non-healthcare, and uh, landed at Alina health, a line of health, leading an IT group, and then moved into a digital experience role that I'm currently in and have really enjoyed it. I've learned a lot about healthcare, and it's been a lot of fun to try to apply some of the principles of retail in healthcare.
0: Awesome. So is it everything that you've expected so far? Have there been any key surprises? Definitely not everything I expected, (laughs) obviously. I would say
1: what I'm surprised by is how little difference there is between healthcare and retail. Now, some will think that's sacrilegious, right? I don't mean that there's no difference in the meaning of the work, right? Mm -hmm. Healthcare has a much deeper meaning and that's one of the things I really like about being in healthcare, is mm-hmm. driving transformation to make healthcare easier because it should be more accessible to people. And that's what we can do in the healthcare world by re-looking at how we do things. So similarities, we have products and services, mm-hmm. we have vendors. I mean, like the core underpinnings are similar to any business, whether they're for-profit or nonprofit. So that's been something that's been similar. Something that's been a little bit different than I expected is the degree of resistance to consumerism. Consumer is kind of a four-letter word in some <laughs> pockets of healthcare. And it seems sacrilegious to say consumer instead of patient. So I always make sure to explain why the word consumer makes sense, especially when it's a group of physicians, for example. And how I explain that is a patient is the person in the bed who conveys ill, sick, mm-hmm. right? We in healthcare want to keep people healthy. We also need to think about not just the person in the bed or the person in the chair that we're talking yeah. to, but really the people that surround them that provide care because Many people have other people around them that are helping them through a tough healthcare situation. And that's why we broaden it and zoom out to say the consumer, because the consumer isn't always just that patient. It could be their adult child who's helping care for them. Absolutely.
0: Oh, yeah. And I think retail has this very figured out. What are some of the tactics and strategies that you've learned that you think can be applied here in terms of better engaging the patients?
1: I think retail gives a really good illusion of having it figured out. Now, are they more advanced in healthcare? Yes, right? They have a plethora of data that they've been using to understand the consumer more. Think about when the items that would be recommended for you first started coming up on Amazon back in the day. At first, consumers like, that's creepy, right? Be- or they got that wrong, but they refined that through the years. And I think healthcare can learn from retail in figuring out how do you personalize an experience but only to the extent that the consumer is ready. If that recommended item's functionality had come out overnight and was as precise as it often is today, it probably wouldn't have landed well. Similar to if I start sending marketing messages as a healthcare organization to you about the risk of heart disease, and it's because we know your father has heart disease, that to you would be a little creepy, right? Now, of course, HIPAA, and we take all of that into account, just using that as an example, That we got to make sure that we're personalizing healthcare, but not so far that it becomes creepy or causes people to kind of
0: step back and say, wait a minute, how did you know that? That's interesting because this is a question I ask a lot of healthcare leaders and healthcare marketers is myself as a healthcare consumer, I actually want that because you know me better than myself as a patient. So if I'm at risk for something, I would want to know like, Alan, you're at risk for diabetes. You're at risk for XYZ. How do you walk that fine line as a healthcare marketer when you're reaching out to patients like that?
1: I think... As I look forward, the way to do that is really understand what the consumer's preference is. We're Mm -hmm. not doing that yet, right? Which is Mm -hmm. why we're careful in, in how we're targeting. And we also don't have the right technologies within Alina, for example, to do that type of targeting. And so my thinking is it really depends on what you as the consumer tell us. And if you want to understand some of the risk factors for you, we should be able to tell you those because as AI continues to grow, machine learning and all of those buzzwords we all hear about, we'll know ever more about you. And we owe it to you to share that with you, especially if you want it. There might be some people who prefer like ignorance is bliss, right? They don't want to worry about it. So just don't tell me, but that should really be between you
0: and your doctor for you to be able to make that decision. Right, that makes a lot of sense. Given your role now, what's kind of your top initiative and why is it your top initiative? We're implementing this revolutionary
1: technology called CRM. And I say that sarcastically. In healthcare though, it is still relatively new. There might've been CRMs in place, especially on the payer side to track like sales activity and leads, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But healthcare really hasn't used it as much as you would think. We're actually implementing CRM right now. We finished with our first initial phase. And that's allowing us to actually reach out to our patients in ways that we weren't able to do effectively before, where we can pinpoint the, you know, what's the right time to send this in mm-hmm. their journey. Right. For example, it's as basic as if you came to urgent care and you don't have a primary care physician noted, how do we help you? identify a primary care physician in case that's right for you, right? And so we're doing some of those, you know, what I call simple things to start with, to learn, and then we'll continue to become more complex over time and, and use standard marketing automation that other industries use, but use it to drive really good behavior in healthcare, especially as we go into our population health journey. How do we get reimbursed
0: for keeping people healthy rather than rewarded when people are sick? The CRM is definitely a four-letter, three-letter word within healthcare. And I see a lot of organizations struggle, especially in healthcare, with their CRM implementations and their strategy. What's been the biggest challenge and misconceptions that you've experienced so far putting that in place?
1: One of the items we have to be really careful with with CRM is helping with that perception that it could be a shadow EMR, but at the same time, making sure that we really focus on the data and making sure that the data that's coming in is as good as possible. Now, we know in healthcare, it's not perfect data, right? Because You might have some health information that you have from a historical place that you went that we don't have access to and so we need to be mindful of not having all the data but making sure that we are using the data intelligently to be able to you know make sure those messages are most relevant to you i mean it's you know here's an example that's challenging but but important is say we're advocating for people to come in for mammograms. We need to use the data to understand if you've had a double mastectomy, how terrible to reach out right. to somebody in that situation when we should have that data, especially if it's you know performed within your health system. So data has been one of the things that we're really focusing on helping people understand that we're not building a shadow EMR, like clinical mm-hmm. data continues to live in the EMR, and then helping people understand some of the power that CRM can bring you. And, and I say that like modern day CRM, not the CRM that you might have implemented 10, 15 years ago. There's a lot more to it now. And mm-hmm. the marketing automation that can be driven from it is a powerful tool and something that can really help healthcare organizations as they venture into population health.
0: All right. So for CRM, it's interesting that you mentioned not the CRM from yesteryear, But how has CRM evolved? And what are some of the latest things that folks should be looking at
1: I'll admit, I'm still relatively new in the CRM space too. So there's plenty of experts out there. We've been fortunate to be working with a consultant who came in who's implemented CRM in many places and an implementation partner who's been amazing to work with. What I would say is what seems different now than before is it really should be data-driven ever more than before. So whether it's CRM or CDP or whatever the buzz phrase is of the day, how do you use data to drive interactions? CRM of yesteryear, I think, was more about tracking leads and just understanding like kind of operational information in-house. I think that really needs to be used not only for operations and efficiencies and driving sales, for example, and growth in-house, but also to make the experience more relevant for the consumer.
0: I think uh, Align of Health has definitely hired the right person for the job here in the case of you. I've got a strong team. <laughs> I don't give me much credit. <laughs> but I think one of the fallacies with CRM in many cases with health systems that I've seen is that typically people see CRM as a noun. And not a verb. You seem to understand that it is a verb and it's not a noun. I've seen so many health systems kind of, oh, we have a CRM strategy, we get a CRM in place, checkbox, we're done. Hello, Healthcare is brought to you by Actium Health. Healthcare leaders use Actium's CRM intelligence to identify their highest risk patients and drive them to care. Increase your patient volumes, revenue growth, and improve your quality scores today. Learn more at actiumhealth.com. And now, back to the show. How do you measure the ROI and effectiveness of our CRM implementation?
1: We've been really focused on the efficiencies it can bring and the capability it enables when we can communicate with our patients in ways that were really difficult or we just didn't do in the past. Email's a powerful tool still, SMS, right? I mean, push notifications in our mobile app, Those are the types of things we're looking to do. The push notifications, a little more effort we're getting there over time. But I would say really looking at ease of launching a campaign. Mm -hmm. And then of course, campaign metrics, right? Mm -hmm. So we can understand a lot more about email deliverability now than we could with our previous technology stack. And understand we have an opportunity to recollect email addresses because a very large percent of them are invalid now. Because we collected them maybe 10 years ago. So we are really learning more about how to make sure that that data is clean? And we also are making sure that the messages that we send, if we get any feedback through a contact center, social media, et cetera, and just Understanding and making sure that we're listening to our customer to make sure that we're getting it right. Other you know, standard campaign metrics would be conversion rate. It's mm-hmm. another one that can be challenging because you want to balance data privacy with your ability to track marketing campaigns from social media into your facility. And so we're still working to figure out how might we do that in, in ways that help us understand the effectiveness of our campaigns.
0: I think a lot of the metrics we shared make a ton of sense to me as a marketer. But when you have to present to your leadership team or to your finance partner, what are some of the metrics that you use there? Because open rates, deliverability, they may not care. What's the right KPI? What's the right metric in that case?
1: I think it's being able to talk about how many people we've been able to perform outreach to and the behavior that it drives. So how many people ended up scheduling the mammogram, for example, and that highlights how CRM helps enable our population health goals. It also helps in a fee-for-service world, knowing that we live in both spaces in the healthcare industry right now. So I think showing how much we're able to outreach and how targeted we can be, what information we can glean after we send something, for example, and then talking about the
0: efficiencies
1: and the amount of analytics that we can do to understand, are we doing the right things?
0: So are you guys there yet in terms of attribution, still working on still it? Still work with that, working with
1: our partners to figure that out and other healthcare organizations too, because we know we're not the only ones doing this by any means. And we know that we can learn from others. And again, going back to the retail and commerce discussion earlier, we can learn a lot from the other industries too of how
0: they do it. Absolutely. What about channel effectiveness? You talked about email, you talked about push, you talked about SMS. I'm assuming there's voice in there as well. What have you found to be most effective for the patients that you serve in terms of channel effectiveness?
1: I'll admit we're still pretty immature in this space. Mm. So for me, it's more anecdotal. I don't have hard numbers, but I would say we didn't use email very much at all or SMS. A lot of it was based on when you came into an appointment, the physician might talk to you about you should get this screening or that, or when you made a phone call to us, the contact center agent may have recommended that you also schedule a lab test or something. And so with CRM now, we have many other ways of communicating. So the first thing we did, which is also not revolutionary, especially in other industries, is asking the consumers, how do you want to be communicated with? Can we text you? Can we email you? Right? Of course, we can email you traditional healthcare things like your lab results are in, those sorts of things. But marketing messages are a little bit different. Even as we go into population health, of course, it's about their health. So that helps. But really making sure that we're communicating in the way that the patient wants and not just the way that we think. So my hypothesis is we'll find SMS, of course, is valuable for urgent, necessary information, email for less urgent. And then there's folks who aren't digitally enabled and that's okay too. So there's always going to be a place for the phone and that human touch that's needed rather than just relying on the the digital touch.
0: Awesome. In terms of capturing those consumer preferences, how's that piece going? Are consumers today very amicable to those preferences? Are they resistant? Are you getting feedback? What's that process been like?
1: we've seen that many people are opting
0: in to receive more modern
1: messages because we've heard from them in the past of like, why am I getting a text message from my hairdresser, but Mm -hmm. not from you about having a screening? And so there's openness to it because of the trust that's there. Mm -hmm. And I I do believe there's still a trust between consumers and their healthcare provider. I'm not naive to think that consumers are choosing convenience care as well, which is why we've you know, continue to build up our urgent care part of our organization and, you know, other ways of making sure that there's convenient options for our consumers. And so they've been pretty open to it because of the trust we have. And we need to keep that trust, which is where we need to make sure we're not communicating too often.
0: We need to make sure that we're honoring their preferences too. Absolutely. I think it's definitely one of the key things to build up loyalty and trust there. Obviously, you guys are on the forefront in terms of being able to implement CRM and have it in, at least completed in stage one. But I've had the luxury of talking to many other health systems that don't even have a CRM in place today. So if you were talking to your peers at other systems who are thinking about implementing CRM, what sort of advice would you give them and where would you recommend they start we were fortunate that our board had a number of folks on it who are from the hospitality and
1: retail sectors Mm. and they still are part of it that really helped open the doors to the conversation about why a crm and how a crm is different than your ehr emr so i would say first is just understanding where is that understanding at the executive and even board level and leverage that if it's there. If it's not there, find ways to educate. And my biggest advice is start somewhere. We didn't start with a gigantic implementation of marketing and contact center and philanthropy. And we started with marketing so we can show the power of the tool and the power of using data to personalize Mm -hmm. communication and target the right people from there we can start to show how crm can be beneficial in connecting dots across channels from digital into in person or the telephone etc those are the things that we're really looking forward to being able to do and so my advice to others is just start start somewhere prove the value over time it's still an investment of course up front but it's a much smaller investment than an enterprise implementation focus on an area where you can show the value and tie it to the organizational priorities and mission, ultimately. Right. For us, it's population health while also navigating the fee-for-service landscape. And that really helped us sell this, if you will, to the broader executive team and also you know others on the board who may not have come from industries where CRM is table stakes.
0: All right. What are some of the pitfalls that folks should look out for?
1: Data, data, data. <laughs> You have to make sure that you have as good a data as possible and that you have processes in place to govern it and correct it at the source when you find that it's incorrect. The other I would say is privacy and security, making sure that you're securing the data. Health data is really personal and we need to continue to treat it that way as an industry and make sure that we're honoring that really the patient owns their data and how are we stewards of that data so that we can help the patient, you know, by leveraging it. So, Data, extremely important, gaining continued support around your organization and proving it not only with results, but actually demonstrating, here's how this works. We can actually see that our emails are getting to the intended recipients, that you know, proof is in the pudding, as we've heard through the years.
0: Right. So today, when you're trying to make that full attribution loop in terms of here's the outreach to the patient, the patient responded, engaged, they made an appointment. Is that process manual today for you guys or are you using some underlying technology to manage that?
1: It is still a maturity we're working to build, right? So I would say we have a line of sight to how we think we can do it, but balancing that, you know, how do we make sure that we might know that they booked an appointment, we don't want to store the data, like the detailed data of like what specific appointment or doctor, et cetera. Of course, that's in the, the EHR, right. but in the marketing system, we don't want all of that. So figuring out how do we make that tie without bringing you know, unnecessary clinical information into the CRM? So that's something that we're still still learning.
0: Okay. Great. So that's one of the key next things for you. What, what else? I mean, what's kind of next on your radar for better healthcare consumer engagement? CRM is one piece we've spent a good amount of time
1: talking about CRM today Mm -hmm. but it's also about connecting the physical digital and telephone experiences how do you move from virtual care to in-person care for example you're having a virtual visit with your provider and it's determined you need to have a throat culture for Mm -hmm. strep well how do you easily come in have the throat culture done and leave and then get the results and then easily get the prescription how do we connect the dots across all of that how do we use technology to help guide you through a complicated situation? It could be cancer, and from you know potential cancer to diagnosis to treatment. How do we guide you through that, not only with your oncologist, for example, but with the other doctors that you have, and how do we provide you with what you're expecting digitally? Well, augmenting that, of course, with with the in-person experience, which is gonna be super important in that instance. Another example would be preparing for a surgery. How do we get you the right information at the right time in the way you want to receive it to make sure that you're ready for the procedure when that day comes? That benefits you because then you're more educated and can help with some of that anxiety that you feel before coming in. And organizationally, it helps by making sure that surgeries happen as planned.
0: That's really interesting, especially connecting the physical and and virtual. To me, that's something that's super advanced where you're talking about much more of a hybrid world. Why are these two kind of at the forefront versus say, you know, the next stage of, CRM. seems like you guys are, like you said, still starting off there. And then now it's a bigger leap, I think, to bridge the virtual and physical world. I think for
1: us, it's been, what is the consumer need and the business need? And then what's the right tool to help with that now and in the future? It might be that CRM is a tool that can do that three, four years from now. Of course, it probably could do it now with the right investment time and energy. But if there's other off-the-shelf tools that can do this and we can integrate them seamlessly, why not get value earlier? And so that's why we've chosen other solutions to help get that value now. In the digital space, you can always say, well, maybe we should wait two years. But then in two years, you're going to say the same thing, right? You have to accept that there's going to be a rework in an industry that is moving so quickly, and especially in the technology space. So just understanding where you know there's risk of rework in the future, but you're doing it now to get the value from it now and to learn from your experiences to then apply those in the future
0: with whatever that next technology might be. Absolutely. Chris, I really enjoyed our conversation and learning more about what you're doing and kind of the expertise and insights that you're bringing to Alina. I'm sure that many of us that are listening to this podcast and watching this would like to learn more and carry on with the conversation. What's the best way for folks to kind of get in touch with you to continue the conversation or perhaps just to pick your brain to learn a little bit more? I'd say send a LinkedIn
1: message. That's going to be the easiest. So feel free to look me up on LinkedIn. There aren't too many Chris Dufrains.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. And to all of you in the audience, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, hello. Thanks again for tuning in to Hello Healthcare. If you like what you heard, we appreciate a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. You and your feedback fuel us. This conversation is brought to you by Actium Health. To get the latest on what these healthcare leaders are saying, subscribe on hellohealthcare.com. Thanks. And when we see you next time, hello.